Long History, Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. Part 9. Dog's Porridge and the Discovery of a Good Mine. Hello everyone and welcome to part 9 of an 18-part series about Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia. We try to make each episode of Long History stand alone, but if you haven't heard earlier parts of this series, I'm sure the previous episodes are just a few taps and scrolls away. In this series, we're covering seven source documents relating to Sir Walter Raleigh and Virginia, involving the earliest settlements by the English on the North American continent. The seven documents cover Elizabeth I granting permission to Sir Walter Raleigh to explore and settle the area, it also includes five voyages from England to Virginia, and we're in the middle of a document covering one year of the life of the Virginia settlements. And this is the third of six episodes covering this particular source document. And unfortunately, it's not a very straightforward document. Previously, we've heard about the English and the area of Virginia, and they're exploring the area, not particularly getting on with the local people. And it's all given in a document which was clearly written after the event, and is also clearly directed towards Sir Walter Raleigh. So to a certain extent, it's an account of what went wrong by someone who doesn't appear to want to give a very straightforward narrative of events. As the previous episode ended, the narrator was explaining that there was a mine that they wanted to find and some people in the country where the mine was. The people were called the Mangoaks. And in this episode, they describe the mine and the metal it contains in great detail. And this is all to try to show Sir Walter Raleigh that there is some wealth in the area worth exploiting. On their explorations, they run out of food. And that's why there's the reference to the dog's porridge in the title of this episode. This is what they end up being forced to eat. So here we go with Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, part 9, Dog's Porridge and the Discovery of a Good Mine. This mine is so notorious amongst them, as not only to the savages dwelling up the said river, and also to the savages of Chowanook, and all them to the westward, but also to all them of the main. The country's name is of fame, and is called Chaunis Temuatan. The mineral, they say, is wasador, which is copper, but they call by the name of wasador any metal whatsoever. They say it is of the colour of our copper, but our copper is better than theirs, and the reason is for that it is redder and harder, whereas that of Chaunis Temuatan is very soft and pale. They say that they take the said mineral out of a river that falleth very swift from the rocks and hills, and they take it in shallow water. The manner is this. They take a great bowl, by their description as great as one of our targets, and wrap a skin over the hollow part thereof, leaving one part open to receive in the mineral. That done, they watch the coming down of the current and the change of the colour of the water, and then suddenly chop down the said bowl with the skin, and receive into the same as much ore as will come in, which is ever as much as their bowl will hold, which presently they cast into a fire, and forthwith it melteth, and doeth yield in five parts of the first melting, two parts of metal for three parts of ore. Of this metal, the mangoaks have so great store by report of all the savages adjoining, that they beautify their houses with great plates of the same. 
and this, to be true, I received by report of all the country, and particularly by young Skiko, the king of Chawanooks, son of my prisoner, who also himself had been prisoner with the Mangoaks, and set down all the particularities to me before mentioned. But he had not been a Chawanis Temuatan himself, for, he said, it was twenty days' journey over land from the Mangoaks to the said mineral country, and that they passed through certain other territories between them and the Mangoaks before they came to the said country. Upon report of the premises, which I was very inquisitive in all places where I came to take very particular information of by all the savages that dwelt towards these parts, and especially of Menatonon himself, who, in everything, did very particularly inform me, and promised me guides of his own men, who should pass over with me, even to the said country of Chawanis Temuatan, for overland from Chawanuk to the Mangoaks is but one day's journey from sunrising to sunsetting, whereas by water it is seven days with the soonest. These things, I say, make me very desirous by all means possible to recover the Mangoaks, and to get some of that their copper for an assay, and therefore I willingly yielded to their resolution. But it fell out very contrary to all expectation and likelihood. For after two days' travel, and our whole victual spent, lying on shore all night, we could never see man. Only fires we might perceive, made along the coast where we were to pass, and up into the country until the very last day. In the evening whereof, about three of the clock, we heard certain savages call, as we thought, Manteo, who was also at that time with me in the boat, whereof we, all being very glad, hoping of some friendly conference with them, and making him to answer them, they presently began a song, as we thought, in token of our welcome to them. But Manteo presently betook him to his peace, and told me that they meant to fight with us, which word was not so soon spoken by him, and the light horsemen ready to put to shore, but there lighted a volley of their arrows amongst them in the boat, but did no hurt, God be thanked, to any man. Immediately, the other boat lying ready with their shot to scour the place for our hand weapons to land upon, which was presently done, although the land was very high and steep, the savages forthwith quitted the shore and betook themselves to flight. We landed, and having fair and easily followed for a small time after them, who had wooded themselves we know not where, the sun drawing then towards the setting, and being then assured that the next day if we would pursue them, though we might happen to meet with them, yet we should be assured to meet with none of their victual, which we then had good cause to think of. Therefore, choosing for the company a convenient ground in safety to lodge in for the night, making a strong corps of guards and putting out good sentinels, I determined the next morning before the rising of the sun to be going back again if possibly we might recover the mouth of the river into the broad sound, which at my first motion I found my whole company ready to assent unto. For they were now come to their dog's porridge, that they had bespoken for themselves if that befell them which did, 
and I before did mistrust we should hardly escape. The end was, we came the next day by night to the river's mouth, within four or five miles of the same, having rowed in one day down the current, much as in four days we had done against the same. We lodged upon an island, where we had nothing in the world to eat but pottage of sassafras leaves, the like whereof for a meat was never used before as I think. The broad sand we had to pass the next day all fresh and fasting. That day the wind blew so strongly and the billow so great that there was no possibility of passage without sinking of our boats. This was upon Easter Eve, which was fasted very truly. Upon Easter Day in the morning, the wind coming very calm, we entered the sound, and by four of the clock we were at Chipanum, whence all the savages that we had left there were left. But their wares did yield us some fish, as God was pleased not utterly to suffer us to be lost, for some of our company of the light horsemen were far spent. The next morning we arrived at our home, Roanoke. I have set down this voyage somewhat particularly, to the end it may appear unto you, as true it is, that there wanted no great good will from the most to the least amongst us to have perfitted this discovery of the mine. For that the discovery of a good mine by the goodness of God, or a passage to the South Sea, or some way to it, and nothing else can bring this country in request to be inhabited by our nation. And with the discovery of either of the two above showed, it will be the most sweet and healthfullest climate, and therewithal the most fertile soil being manured in the world, and then will sassafras and many other roots and gums there found make good merchandise and lading for shipping, which otherwise of themselves will not be worth fetching. Provided also that there be found out a better harbour than yet there is, which must be to the northward, if any there be, which was mine intention to have spent this summer in the search of, and not of the mine of Chaunis Temuatam, the one I would have done if the bogs that I should have had of Sir Francis Drake, by his honourable courtesy, had not been driven away by a storm. The other, if your supply of more men and some other necessaries had come to us in any convenient sufficiency. For this river of Moratico promiseth great things, and by the opinion of Mr. Harriot, the head of it by the description of the country, either riseth from the Bay of Mexico, or else from very near unto the same, that openeth out into the South Sea. And touching the mineral, thus doeth Master Youngham affirm, that though it be but copper, seeing the savages are able to melt it, it is one of the richest minerals in the world. Wherefore a good harbour found to the northward, as before is said, and from thence four days overland, to the river of Choanoke, sconces being raised, from whence again overland through the province of Choanoke one day's voyage to the first town of the Mangoaks up the river of Moratico by the way, as also upon the said river for the defence of our boats like sconces being set, in this course of proceeding you shall clear yourself from all those dangers and broad shallow sounds before mentioned, 
and gain within four days' travel into the heart of the main, two hundred miles at the least, and so pass your discover into that most notable country, and to the likeliest parts of the main, with far greater felicity than otherwise can be performed. Thus, sir, I have though simply, yet truly set down unto you, what my labour with the rest of the gentlemen and poor men of our company, not without both pain and peril, which the Lord in his mercy many ways delivered us from, could yield unto you, which might have been performed in some more perfection, if the Lord had been pleased that only that which you had provided for us had at the first been left with us, or that he had not in his eternal providence now at the last set some other course in these things than the wisdom of man could look into, which truly the carrying away by a most strange and unlooked-for storm of all our provision, with barks, master, mariners, and sundry also of mine own company, all having been so courteously supplied by the general Sir Francis Drake, the same having been most sufficient to have performed the greatest part of the premises, must ever make me think the hand of God only, for some his good purpose to myself yet unknown, to have been in the matter. So this is the end of the first part of this document, and this part attempted to explain the riches of the area of Virginia, and although it isn't at all straightforward, I think the rather garbled narrative is explained when we see that this is an employee reporting back to his boss, and actually doesn't have much good news to report, so he's trying to make clear the effort involved in trying to find good news and trying to make the most of the little good news he did find. With this episode, the first part of this document comes to an end, and so it gives some advice saying that to the north there might be better harbours. Along the way, Sir Francis Drake arrived and gave them some boats and supplies to help keep the settlement going, but unfortunately these boats were driven away during a storm. Similarly, supplies that came from England also didn't arrive in the right place at the right time, so we can see the reasons, the excuses for the failure of this settlement keep building up. As always, before you move on, please don't forget to like this episode if you can. We still have another nine episodes and two and a half source documents left in this series, so don't forget to follow or subscribe to Long History. And don't forget also that all our episodes are available on longhistory.net. We've got over 300 episodes now, including some of the most famous voyages in history. Thank you for listening to Long Histories, Sir Walter Raleigh in Virginia, Part 9, Dog's Porridge, and the Discovery of a Good Mine. Goodbye. <laughs>